I think it's gonna be an interesting summer. Um, it'd be it'd be nice for him to to come out to LA, you know, because yeah. maybe maybe I get to meet him. Yeah, but get to a few games. Yeah, that, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be nice, you know. <laughs> Just try to you know, meet LeBron. That'd be cool. Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly. That was the voice of running back Justin Jackson talking LeBron James during OTAs. Now that the King is a Laker, Mike Trudell of Lakers.com is going to tell us what it means in general for the L.A. sports scene and why so many NFL players admire LeBron. But first, the great Steve Weish of NFL Network joins me. We talk Chargers, AFC contenders, and Bobby Beathard's induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All right, it's my great pleasure to welcome in NFL Network Steve Weish to Chargers Weekly. And Steve, just a couple of weeks until training camp, the offseason is buzzing by, my man. Have you had a chance to at least enjoy summer a little bit? Uh, with the emphasis on a little bit, but <laughs> okay. yes, uh, you know, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the NFL calendar shrinks every year with more and more owners meetings and some of the things that players are doing in the offseason that we're covering. So, um, yeah, it's a tighter window, but what, in about two, three weeks, you're going to be uh, starting training camps and headed up to Canton to kick things off at the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, well, hey, I want to get into the Hall of Fame a little bit later, but um, we actually have some breaking news here at Chargers.com. Your NFL Network colleague, Daniel Jeremiah, is joining the Chargers radio broadcast team this fall, Steve. He's going to team up with another one of your colleagues, Matt Money-Smith. We're getting one of the best in DJ. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Chargers fans should be absolutely excited because you're standing Jeremiah. I mean, besides him just being one of the most wonderful human beings you'll ever encounter, one of the most knowledgeable. I mean, a former scout, he's got people placed all over the league who can give you insight on players, schemes. You know, he played quarterback in college at App State. I mean, he understands everything, but his knowledge of the players, these are players, I'm sure everyone on that roster is a player that he has scouted, um, coming to the college ranks at some time and then coming to the NFL ranks. So he's going to have such a familiarity with the players that are on the Chargers roster, that are on opposing rosters, that everyone is going to learn something. And that, you know, you just could not have gotten a better person who has all of the ingredients for an NFL expert than Daniel Jeremiah. So great hire by the Chargers. He brings such a unique perspective to Steve because I I remember him in the booth for Rams games during preseason television, DJ was predicting plays and getting them right, <laughs> like in, yeah. in multiple games. Yeah, I mean, look if you if you sit next down to some you know sit, sit next to some NFL scouts um, in press booths, it's amazing press box. I say it's amazing how they can tell you coaching tendencies and what's likely to come in the situation or by this formation and. Again, that is someone who is so well-versed and is so knowledgeable in every aspect of the game. It's just a thing where, regardless of your emotions after it's a win or a loss, you're going to come away knowing something better. Like, oh, man, the third quarter, Dan Jeremiah said he saw this, and sure enough, it came back to help the Chargers you know, hit on a big play to help win the ball game, X, Y, Z. There's going to be a lot of that. I said he's such an incredible person. Um, a human being, it, it'll just make everything he does that much better. We can't wait. It's it's just going to make the the broadcast that that much more enjoyable. And uh, let's get into this team, Steve, because I remember seeing you out at OTAs earlier this off season. This is a team that closed 2017 strong. They sprinkled in some key additions this off season, and they went really heavy on defense in the draft. What do you make of this roster in Anthony Lynn's second year as head coach? 
Well, I think everyone really likes it, and especially the first two picks in the draft. You know, they hit some neat spots. They get Derwin James. Oh, my God. For him to be there with the 17th pick yeah. for when the Chargers had it is, I mean, that's one where when you're Tom and you're seeing this player fall, you're like, okay, we like him, but we didn't think he'd be here. Oh, he's going to be here. we got to take him. It's, it's one of those things that's just going to make everything better. Because in Gus Bradley's defense, as you can let's use the Seahawks as an example, that safety spot, which is more of a strong safety, but really a hybrid, really a combo safety, is super responsible in the running game. They'll put so much pressure up front that if there's a leak or that inside linebacker gets blocked, that safety has got to make tackles in open space. Think of Cam Chancellor. Um, think of Keanu Neal with the Falcons. That is what Derwin James can be, except he's faster He's probably better in coverage, but he plays with a type of ferocity where you're not going to have some of those leaky runs that you had last season where someone gets past that first line of scrimmage, the middle linebacker gets hemmed up, and bam, there's a 20-yard run. That's not going to happen with Derwin James. Then you get in Wosu, who is just a disruptive player off the edge, which will allow Gus Bradley, and he did this at times anyway, to line up Bosa and Ingram on the same side or to reduce an edge rusher into tackle and really basically play with four pass rushers on that line of scrimmage. So those two picks um, and just helping out was a pretty good defense, but to tighten up the secondary a little bit, absolutely fantastic. And we know the weapons that they have on offense. If they can, you know, really force Lamb can get healthy, you know, and that's still a concern because you had a setback and it had to go back in and, and do some minor things to that knee coming off the ACL. Um, that's why he didn't do a lot in the offseason. But if he can get healthy, this offensive line, with the tools Phillip Rivers had, has, I should say, is amazing. And, and, and speaking to Anthony Lynn this offseason, he is so excited about Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams being, you know, just potentially big-time compliments to Keenan Allen. Um, I mean, it, the, the potential for the Chargers, I mean, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of, of, lot of hype going into the season as the Chargers being the team to beat in the AFC West. Well, Steve, the offense, I don't know if Phillip Rivers has played with a better defense, on paper at least, entering 2018. And you mentioned Derwin James. How about the return of Jason Verrett to that passing defense that was number three in the league last season? How much better do you think this defense can be when you consider, listen, Joey Bosa is going to turn 23, I think, on Wednesday. Uh, Melvin Ingram is 29, and... This pass rush, you know, a lot of it is predicated on how good the secondary is, and they're getting even better with the addition of James and the return of Verrett. Yeah, I mean, look, if Verrett can stay healthy, you're getting a very tenacious guy to play opposite of Casey Hayward. Okay, so Casey Hayward's one of the best corners in the NFL, really great ball skills, really great coverage skills. So then here's Verrett, who gives you the same compliment. So, you know, you think about... Some of these teams, look at Jacksonville last year where you had you know, Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye. You, you, know, you, you can't work the corners like you can with some teams. You can't work the perimeter. So that funnels the passing game a little bit more in between the numbers towards the hashes. Well, there's a lot more traffic um, in those areas for defensive players to get takeaways. And with, and with that pressure up front, making that quarterback pat that ball for an extra second, the takeaway opportunities with the Verrett, radically increase and I'm just really keeping my fingers crossed he stays healthy because he's so good and he plays so hard 
that if he can play all 16 at the level he can play at, um, the Chargers defense is, is going to be one of these defenses we're talking about all season. It's one of the most intimidating in the league. Well, you know, it was so refreshing to hear Jason talk about how much better he feels this year at this time in comparison to last year. And I think people may be underestimating just how good he is because we haven't seen him on the field, Steve, for, for two seasons. So to your point, if he, if he can stay healthy, you have two Pro Bowl corners, Trevor Williams, who started 15 games last year, and Desmond yep. King, who played in 16 games, had four starts. You can go four deep at corner, which is something a lot of NFL teams cannot do. Well, that's what NFL teams are going to be good, which you have to do because you're playing in so many sub packages. Absolutely. You know, you're going to have to go at least three, and sometimes, you know, another three DBs, whether you have a, you know, covered safeties, whatever, depends on the makeup of your team. But, you know, the, the direct question is it's a big and legitimate question. You know, can he stay healthy? And that's just something that's a big question. As we know, he's kind of an undersized player who plays like a pit bull. So he puts his body in harm's way. And, you know, sometimes he, he breaks down a little bit. But if they can get him going, you know, again, the, the potential is limitless because we know, we know what Gus Bradley can do with two good corners yep. and a safety like Derwin, you know, with the kind of the prototype of Derwin James. Offensively, it starts with Phillip Rivers. He's entering year 15. And last year was arguably his best year. You know, 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He was only sacked 18 times. And a lot of that was him just getting rid of the football yep. quick. Uh, when you look at this offense and the weapons that they have around him, you mentioned Mike Williams. Losing Hunter Henry is a blow, no doubt about that. But if you can get Mike Williams in there and some four wide sets, I, I could see him as a as a target in the red zone and, and much more than that across Keenan Allen. Well, yeah, and again, Tyrell Williams is a big wide receiver too. Yep, <laughs> so exactly. So three big targets. You've got three big targets that you can really, you know, do some special things with. So it's going to be interesting because the Hunter Henry thing is, was, is a legitimate blow. They, they had plans and schemes and things really designed for, if not him, to get the ball then to set other players up. So I know they've got Virgil Green. Virgil's been mainly a blocking tight end in his career, but it's funny. He came into the NFL as a receiving tight end out of Nevada. He played with Colin Kaepernick at Nevada. He was more of a receiving guy. Yeah. Um, so he's got the potential uh, to, to, to be all around, but – you know, they're going to need some depth there. Um, they're going to need probably a fullback, you know, to, to get out, you know, two, two back sets from time to time to throw defenses off. But there's enough creativity, enough big play potential. And that's the key here is this defense is going to get the offense the ball with takeaways, a fourth punt, deep in, you know, deep in the opposing team's territory and whatnot. And when you've got players like a Keenan Allen – you know, or Mike Williams, who can hit that big play. That th- those are game changers, and that's why again I think people are really excited about the Chargers because when you look around the division, okay, Kansas has got Tyreek Hill, he's playing with the first time starting quarterback. You know, the Raiders have Amari Cooper, and they've got a couple other players, but on both sides of the ball, no team has more game changing talent on paper. Than the Chargers. Steve, staying in the division, the AFC West, probably 
more changes in this division than any other division in football when you consider the quarterback yep. position, a new coach in Oakland. What do you make of the AFC West given all of the changes up and down the division while the Chargers really had the most stability, you could argue, this offseason? Well, again, that's another reason why people are excited about the Chargers is because, you know, look, Denver's getting a new quarterback in Case Keenum. Case is going to be fine. He's going to do well in Bill Musgrave's offense, but is the offensive line going to get any better? Are they going to be able to run the ball? Those are question marks. Um, with the Raiders, they there's not a team in the NFL that comes to the season with a bigger question mark because John Gruden's been out of football for 10 years. They have really changed this roster where it seems like they are signing any free agent who's 30 years and older who's yes. got some tie to Gruden or Paul Gunther or some of the other coordinators on the staff. So you just don't know. I mean, I think they've got a you know, a lot of people feel they've got boom or bust potential. Like they could be really good. Like Gruden's kind of what they need to take them to the next level. That last year was more the anomaly um, with the way they fell off than it should have been. And then look at Kansas City. Their defense last year was terrible. Has it really gotten that much better? You know, you you know they lose Derek Johnson to the Raiders. Um, they they lose a couple key players, Marcus Peters to the Rams. Is that defense going to be any better than what it was last season when they won the division? But, but you just don't know. Can Patrick Mahomes, you know, one of the guys who's going to be watching most early part of the season, can he adapt? Because they've got tools on offense. And, and again, there's there's all those question marks. But the only question mark around the Chargers is the one where people say, well, they're the Chargers. They're going, you know, they're going to find ways to lose close games. They're going to get off to a slow start. You know, this is where history kind of puts that cartoon cloud, that cartoon bubble over everyone's head saying, well, they're loaded, but how many times have we said that? And, and that's that's where they've really got to show and prove, especially early in the season. They can't go blowing games like they did last year because you saw how they came back to haunt them. No doubt. And four of the first five are in Los Angeles when you also consider the uh, the road game at the Coliseum against the Rams in Week 3. So it's imperative, Steve, to get off to that fast start this year. And I think what you saw the last 12 games – was a little bit of a culture change with Coach Lynn in his first year. I, I think once they got their bearings, had some really crushing losses at the beginning of the year, in large part to the kicking game. But once they got their bearings, yep. I, I think everybody bought into what Coach Lynn was selling. And, and there is a – momentum doesn't carry over, I realize that, from 2017 to 2018. But there is some good vibes going in here with well, a lot of the same players in place. Yeah, and look, the team relocated last offseason. Let's not over, let's not overlook. Yeah. That oh, part. by the way, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, by the way, last season, players are looking to find out where they're going to live, where their kids are going to go to school. Um, same with players, coaches, staffers. How many are going to are going to come up from San Diego? How many are going to be joining the team? There were so many of those factors. You cannot discount that. Okay, so early in the season, you've got that. Then, and this is a conversation I had with Anthony Lynn, where offensively they're trying to figure out what they are because they've got this dynamic running back with a head coach who loves to run the ball, but yet they've got a future Hall of Fame quarterback and a lot of this receiving talent. How do they figure out their identity? You know, And like you said, it took a while, but once they got it and once Melvin Gordon started to do his thing, you know, they realized, okay, we can be multifaceted and, and, and we can be good with that. So... You know, that's that's kind of that identity change, and now everyone has been in the same place for the most part for a season. 
They're not having to go through some of those relocation issues. They're not having to figure out a new coaching staff. So those are huge positives because I saw it with the Rams. You know, that, that relocation part where we just think, okay, once they get between the lines, it, it changes to football. It's exhaustive in a lot of, a lot of ways people don't think about. And the Chargers will not have to go through that this year. And, again, if they play up to their potential, that's on paper. You know, they, they're going to be one of the best teams in the AFC. Steve, entering training camp, I think it's safe to say the NFC, you look at this conference, it's loaded on paper, right? I could probably make the argument for loaded. half the conference as Super Bowl contenders, honestly, no joke. And the AFC, a lot of the usual suspects, right, starting with the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Jags, you probably throw, you got to throw the Chiefs in there, back-to-back champs, the Chargers, I think you throw in there. What do you make of these two conferences and just the balance when you talk about how loaded the NFC is? Well, okay, first off, the Jags became a usual suspect. After yeah, they're, like, <laughs> that's, the caveat was the Steelers and Patriots, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, here, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. Well, I, don't, I think we're kind of overlooking some things in the AFC. If Andrew Luck stays healthy, look at that AFC South. Okay, now you've got – okay, we talked about the Jags, and they're loaded, right? But they still have the fourth-best quarterback in the division because it's Marcus Mariota, okay, who they've given more talent. If you got Andrew Luck, if he's healthy, you got Deshaun Watson. Okay, so Houston has got to be in that mix. If Deshaun Watson is healthy and half their defense doesn't go on IR, they, you know, okay, so you got to include them in the mix. But those three teams I named, I mean, the Colts are probably the one you could say that they maybe they're not ready for prime time. But Tennessee is close. I mean, so so let's 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 look at that. Okay, then let's go up to the north. It's Pittsburgh and everyone else. But something. This is one of those times where you look at what Baltimore has quietly done mm-hmm. with its roster, okay, then you throw in the whole Lamar Jackson, will it motivate Joe Flacco or will he, or will he wither? I've never known Joe Flacco necessarily to wither under pressure. Baltimore could be a very, very strong team. The East, frankly, I don't see anybody competing with the Patriots. I, I think the Bills, with all of their changes, you know, the Jets are still a year away from being a year away. You know, and the Dolphins, good, you know, who knows what that team is going to be. So we don't know. So when you come out to the West, like I said, the Chargers look like a team to beat, but every one of those teams could win the division. So I know everyone's talking about the NS being stacked and stacked and stacked, but there's, there's no way you can sit here and tell me that, you know, the Raiders or the Chargers or the Broncos aren't going to be potential playoff contenders or any of those teams in the AFC South. And again, you throw Baltimore into the mix with the Steelers. I think the scales are a lot more balanced when you look at the quarterbacks and some of the overall talent in the teams in the AFC. Well, you make great points, Steve, especially in the AFC South, because you're right, Jacksonville, take the quarterback out of the equation. They they probably have one of the best rosters in the league. But Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota, those guys – can even the playing field there. And then in Baltimore, I agree with you 100%. Whether it's Joe Flacco or if somehow Lamar Jackson gets thrown into the mix there, we saw a guy like RG3 catch lightning in a bottle in his first year, led the the Redskins to their first NFC East title in like 13, 14 years. So I, I think there's so many unknowns in July, and I think that's what makes it so fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's, you know, that's why the people who do what we get to do 
you know, we can sit back and, and we can say, oh, wow, this team's going to be this. Then training camp, bam, one injury, bam, two injuries. It's all it takes. Uh, you know, yeah, a contract, a contract dispute um, or a slow start. I mean, no one saw Nobody saw what happened with the Raiders happening last season. You know, we all thought, oh, wow, that Derek Carr and I got hurt the year before. They're a Super Bowl contender. I heard that from players who played against them. Yeah. And then last year, not much changed. And they were, you know, they were not a good football team. So um, it, it's just going to be interesting because some team we're not thinking of, or some teams, I should say, are going to get hot. And some teams that we're loving right now that we're talking about on this podcast are going to flounder. So um, it's, it's just so fun right now because – you know, you figure most of these teams have a shot. Some teams that we think are going to be good, like the Vikings, like the Falcons. I mean, the Eagles. We think, you know, one of those guys probably isn't going to show up. Yeah. You know, you just really never know. Steve, last thing for me, Hall of Fame weekend coming up at the beginning of August. You're an authority on all things Hall of Fame. Bobby Bethard is going to be enshrined this year. Uh, what did Bethard mean to the game, primarily at his stops at the Redskins and Chargers that fans should know about? Yeah, I mean, uh, just a very, you know, he was, in Washington, he paired with Joe Gibbs, right, who was just a brilliant mind, really knew how to, you know, pair personnel well with the X's and O's. And, and, and Bobby was just kind of, we know what time he, type of team we want. We are going to pound it. We're going to run it. We're going to play these three tight end things. I'm going to get players that really fit you know and he was easy you know bobby is you know kind of the surfer too you know i think he's still a surfer whatever yeah. he can um and, and i think that temperament really helped set the tone for a tough physical organization um and, and for players buying in to what joe gibbs and that, and that staff he had were selling and then he comes out to the chargers and again he knows talent he was just so well versed in things that the coaches wanted to do and assembling tough, tough players and guys who, you know, we always see the term guys who love football, but guys, you know, who, who put that pretty much above everything else. He was always good at finding, you know, those types of players and taking risk on some older players, you know, like a Doug Williams, you know, at the end of his career, Oh, who just comes in, and when Jay Schrader, the starter in Washington, really, you know, couldn't figure it out or was getting hurt, comes in and helps him win a Super Bowl. Unreal. You know, so, yeah, he just had that. He just got such, you know, an extensive vault of knowledge and history of players and, and how to, how to and, and then also the persona and the personality to work with the coach. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's great that Bobby Beathard is going in. And it just goes to show – you know, if you can be creative and nuanced yet brilliant, you know, there's a place for you on, you know, out of this class now, which will rise to 318 after there have been more than 30,000 people involved in pro football over, you know, this period of time. And you think about that, and it's why they say that immortal bust that's going to be in those halls. Um, it is an amazing, an amazing honor and everybody, uh, you know, and everybody in there has earned that right. Well, it's been a treat for Chargers fans. Get LT in last year, and you get Bobby Beathard in this year. And Steve, you always do an awesome job. We we can't wait to to see you during that weekend in Canton, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at training camp at some point down the line. You got plans to be at the Jack Hambit Sports Complex? 
I uh, I absolutely do. I plan on being I plan on being with the Chargers a lot this year because I think they're going to be good. I mean, I think awesome. they're going to be a really good, fun, and exciting team to watch. So uh, hope to see you soon, man. Steve, you're the best in the business, buddy. Can't thank you enough for your time. Thanks a lot. All the best. Take care. So the Los Angeles Chargers schedule is out, and boy, it's nice to finally know how we'll be spending our Sundays this fall. How many Charger games did you make last year, Matt? I made 20. Four preseason games and 16 regular season games last year. Which are you circling for this season? This season, I'll circle the Niners and Cardinals as they play the NFC West. And let's not forget about those rivalry games, P. You seriously don't want to miss this. Visit FightForLA.com or call 877-CHARGERS to share Matt's experience. Season tickets on sale now. All right, if you're a Lakers fan or really just a sports fan in general in L.A., you know my next guest, my good buddy Mike Trudell of Lakers.com. Spectrum Sportsnet joins me on Chargers Weekly. Mike, what's up, brother? Chris, great to talk to you, man. Been loving your work uh, over with the Chargers. Is the NFL coming back in a second? It's been too long. Let's go. A couple weeks. A couple weeks. Dude, if I'm not mistaken, you're coming to us live from NBA Summer League in Las Vegas, and the rumor is you've been out there a little bit too long. Well, look, look, I wouldn't say too long, so I love I love Summer League. It's just the Lakers happen to have added the Sacramento League this year, the new California Classic, so the team came straight from five days in Sacramento to here in Las Vegas, and the Lakers never lose in Vegas, Chris. This is, I think they've won nine straight games now, and if they win tomorrow, uh, they're here at least until Sunday. So uh, that's, that's how it's been going, man, but it's been fun watching the basketball, especially after all of the news of a certain point that some of the some of the Charger players may have heard of, uh, he's named LeBron James. Yeah, well, dude, I'm thrilled for you, and I'm thrilled to have you on because we are really at the epicenter of perhaps the biggest sports story of the summer. LeBron James, as you mentioned, he's a Laker now. Describe the last couple of weeks and what it's been like for you and the organization starting when the news dropped. Well, especially once the, when everything became official, uh, right, that's, that's when everything changed some. Because, of course, like everybody else, you hear of the rumors and the, and the, the team that LeBron is considering. Um, but when that announcement went out in the way that Rob Palenka described it was, he basically got a text message from Rich Paul. And you know how if you, if you type congrats into a text message on, on an iPhone, the balloons come up, pop up? <laughs> the, the confetti? The confetti and the balloons. So, yeah, the confetti. In the balloon. So that's what that's what popped up on Palenka's phone at about five o'clock on, uh, <laughs> when the decision was made. And you know, so then he very quickly thereafter, uh, Rich Paul sent the same text to Jeannie Bus, and uh, they called Magic, and uh, you know, quite a quite a moment, man. It's, it's been building really for since Magic and Palenka took over. Uh, they made the Lou Williams trade to pick up an extra draft pick that ultimately resulted in Josh Hart uh, getting drafted. It was the 28th pick from Houston, uh, but they traded that down to Utah, got hard at 30, and Thomas Bryant in the second round. Uh, then, of course, they uh, they wanted to make another series of moves where they traded D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov for Brooke Lopez and the number 27 pick, which they then turned into Cal Kuzma. So talk about hitting um, on your picks and starting to establish your young talent. And then they cleared the further space uh, just this February when they made their deal with Cleveland to get another first-round pick, which is now Mo Wagner. Um, plus, you know, Jordan Clarkson went the other way with his salary um, and, and all of that, and Larry Nets Jr. So in the expirings that came back with Isaiah Thomas and Shane Fry. So that's, that's the nitty-gritty, Chris, of how they just got in position to be able to, to have a player like LeBron, uh, a max-level player, come in. And, I mean, man, when you get, when you get a player – the best player in the league to come to your team 
uh, for free, for nothing, without yeah. having to send back all kinds of assets. It's just it's such a massive uh, boon for the organization. It just immediately you know, thrusts you into the playoff picture. It, it immediately puts you in position to continue building by adding another player. Um, so it's, it's really, really big in that sense. And look, I think they also had to try to keep up with the Rams uh, in the Chargers for bringing in a bunch, of, a bunch of stars into Los Angeles on the football side. Well, Mike, I- I'm just fascinated with the admiration that other professional athletes have for guys like LeBron and guys like Kobe. Kobe obviously spoke to the Chargers on the first day of training camp last year. We talked to so many of our guys during the finals, and, and obviously some are Lakers fans. And some of them are like strictly LeBron guys. Like Jaleel Adai is a LeBron guy. I think someone asked Derwin James uh, who his favorite NBA team was, and it was LeBron James. <laughs> so, I mean, you couple that with him joining the most yeah. iconic basketball franchise in the world, you have like the perfect storm that I think is even unique to the Lakers. Well, that's true. And I think that, you know, it's interesting. There's a certain part of LeBron's game to me that, that appeals maybe even a little bit more to an NFL player because LeBron could be an NFL player. <laughs> he, he could play tight really, end. I legitimately think that LeBron could have uh, made the NFL. And, and if you will tell me otherwise, I mean, there's he's first of all, he's a better all just athlete than any of the tight ends that in the uh, in the NFL. You think about the basketball playing type tight ends. You could run down this list much than me, but of course, the most famous starting with Antonio Gates, um, who who are like the who, who give me three or four other Chris. Who are some of the tight ends that basketball in college yeah like like a tony gonzalez a jimmy graham th- those types of guys and but it, right. it starts with yeah. you know obviously tony gonzalez is a hall of famer but you know antonio gates in five years or or longer is going to be in canton as well and i mean that that's a guy that is is the perfect example he i think he was in the elite eight uh when he played basketball in college so yeah i, I think lebron i mean dude i mean if we can borrow him for for a couple of games so you know let me know <laughs> Well, there's the, so it's that, I think that's part of the, where that admiration comes from. And then, of course, just the fact that he's the best player in his sport for all these years now. And, you know, that's going to get you love. And, and also, look, LeBron has never taken a single sideways step uh, off the court. And, and I think that's something that, to be admired as well. And, you know, it's going to be fun, man. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm looking for you off to tell me when the charter players are going to be at Staples Center because I'm sure that some of the guys on, uh, on the, the rare off day will be coming to check out LeBron in person. No, oh, I, I talked to him during the finals, and I, and I just threw out the potential of him coming to L.A., and I think it was Jaleel said, well, if, if it happens, I'm going to be at all the games. So I, I know that these guys are going to be at Staples Center. It's probably going to be a second home for them uh, during the fall. But, dude, I'm of the mindset that believes, you know, a rising tide kind of lifts all boats, meaning that the attention that LeBron brings to this city – really only increases the eyeballs on the overall, you know, sports landscape in LA, especially when you win. And I think, you know, the Chargers, the Rams, both of these teams have put together competitive teams on paper. Do you view that in the same lens that that rising tide lifts all boats? Yeah, for sure. No, I, I do. And I, I think it, in, in some ways, you know, I was, I, I was listening to Mason Ireland the other day and they were talking about it. it in, in some sense, it's, it's, it lifts all boats and it also becomes a little bit of an arms race. You know, because in L.A., there's there's so many different options. Now, particularly with the new stadium that's going to be built, uh, that's come up, you know, there's there's just so many eyeballs and so many people want to live in L.A., so many uh, sports figures. And so are the Dodgers going to add a star, you know, to try to stay up with this? Uh, the, the Chargers, are, if they can, you know, find a way to win 10, 11 games, you know, this year, and then, it, you know, either the NFL, the NFL, you know, Chris, because I'm going to throw it back to you like this, 
does seem to be a little bit different because you know there are there are name stars and those are usually the quarterbacks. But sometimes you, know, you can have uh, the, the best player on the team can be a defensive tackle or or a left tackle no uh, on on the offensive side that people just don't know that much about, and and it, it can make the team get a lot of wins. So it's it's a, it's interesting the way that the NFL fits in, you know, where NBA players and of course LeBron being the best example um, are are the, these transcendent stars themselves, and then in the NFL. You know, you get a, it's a little bit more about the, the team and the locker room. So that that's what I'll be curious to see. You know how that differentiates itself. You know, man, I was just thinking about this. You started with the Lakers in '08, so you covered Kobe. You covered his his last two titles. You're in the building daily with Irvin Magic Johnson, and here comes the best player in the world. You've consistently been surrounded by basketball royalty, man, for the last 10 years. What are you most looking forward to in covering LeBron? Just Obviously, I know you've covered him uh, when he's come from Cleveland to Miami, but just having him in the building daily. Yeah, I, so I think that the stuff, the off-the-court stuff is is one thing, and you know, Kobe was actually always great uh, with, with the media for uh, you know, some people that might not know, and you think about Kobe and, and what a what a crazy diehard uh, competitive guy he is. But he always he, he was very smart, also just a very smart individual. Always took time to explain and to talk to the media as to, as to what was going on with him and the team. And I was appreciated about that about Kobe and thought that was underrated. And LeBron is very much the same way. So he's I think he kind of makes your job. You know, from a, whether you're a reporter or any kind of media member, um, he makes that easy uh, because he's willing to talk intelligent about basketball uh, and, and so that part I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to and I think it'll be more of the same as how it was with Kobe but the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is just watching him play basketball uh, really I mean he yeah. is he is a, it, there and there are certain guys I think then you can you can go down the, the roster um, on the Chargers where it's just seeing this skill level in person is just fun and it's just that's why ultimately I'm in the business it's just I, I enjoy watching that and then getting to, to sort of try to describe it and share it to people and it's a it's one thing to watch LeBron on TV, but when you've seen all six eight you know two hundred and fifty plus pounds of muscle moving at that speed um, with that level of skill, it's just it's something to behold. And it's it's really a you know and I want to say it, it's basically a once in a lifetime type thing to watch him. And so that's that's to me is what's going to be pretty cool. Last thing, brother. I want to get you out here on a, on a football note because you're on radio in this city. You're plugged in. Uh, it's the second year with two NFL teams in Los Angeles. Both teams on paper look to be pretty good. I think there's a lot of expectations for both the Chargers and the Rams. Uh, what are your thoughts on this Chargers team in 2018 uh, with the way they finished last season and, and just all the movement in general in the NFL this offseason? Yeah, so so my take on the on the Chargers was just that they – okay, I have to be careful with the way that I say this, but there, there's always the coulda, woulda, shoulda, and there were a lot of wins left on the table last year. Yep. And for whatever reason, right? Sometimes it was a it was an ill-timed interception. Sometimes it was early in the season, right? It was missed field goals, and it's something as, as slight as that. And what was that? Two or three games where that made an impact. I mean, that that right there changes the entire season. And so I think that they're just due, man. I feel like the Chargers are due to get some better luck this year. Um, it, I think it sounds like that the, the coach uh, to have another year of really getting his system in, getting the players trust. You know, having some new draft picks, draft picks in, getting getting Bosa for the whole time. Like there's there's a lot of stuff to me that's percolating uh, that could lead the Chargers to to being right there uh, in the mix. In the NFL, that's what you need, right? It's not like going to the season when you know we all think the Warriors are going to win and then they win. 
you know, I, I don't know who's going to win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. And why not the Rams or the Chargers? I mean, there's a, there's certainly to me enough, enough talent um, if things bounce the right way. And, and that's, uh, that's one thing about the NFL that we all love. It's just it, that, that unpredictable nature and the any given Sunday, um, if, if at least you're a talented enough team. And, and I think that the squad that you're covering has got that talent. Well, dude, the city's buzzing. It's like a, the the perfect storm with training camp a couple of weeks away for the NFL teams, the, the LeBron news, uh, just everything in general, the Dodgers, the Angels. Uh, it, it's a good time to be in L.A. Can't thank you enough for your time, brother, and uh, we'll catch up soon when you get back from Vegas. All right. My pleasure, Chris. I uh, love the pod. Keep it up, and talk to you soon. And that's going to do it. My thanks to Mike and Steve Weiss for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, and while you're there, please leave a review. Help spread the word. A reminder, training camp just a couple of weeks away. 14 open practices at the Jack Hammett Sports Complex starting on July 28th at 10 a.m. Visit chargers.com slash camp for all the details, and we look forward to seeing you out there soon. Have a great weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Harey.